Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. Praise the Lord. Um, Let me pray. Father, we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you, Lord, for peace in everybody's hearts here, that you would, you would stir each one of our hearts to, uh, to learn. You'd, we'd be stirred up and compelled to learn, to grow, to add knowledge uh, so that the victories that we desire, we could easily have those victories. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me tell you something based on that. Um, that what I just said about having knowledge and then you can have victory because of the knowledge, all right? So uh, the other day, it snowed really hard, remember? On Saturday, it was really coming down. And so we made a decision to not have church uh, in person on Sunday. And so as a leader, I'm trying to hear from God. I'm trying to make a wise decision. Uh, listening to several different people give me counsel and and weighing that out. Um, And as I'm praying, but I've got to, I really have to follow peace. And I have to, basically, it's like I got to have a word from the Lord to really make a right decision. So that's what I need. And I need God to give me peace about things. So I was praying. And uh, uh, as I was talking to Kenny, our worship leader, um, I said, uh, I said, you know, people who, you know, people, the people in the congregation, you know, we're all sheep, you know, and the thing is a sheep will follow their shepherd. So wherever the shepherd says, this is where we're going, that's where the sheep will come. But a wise shepherd's never going to lead his, his, his flock into danger. Now, some people say, oh, it wasn't dangerous. You know, you know what? I can drive in snow. You know, it's not a problem for me to get to church. But uh, I had to think about that. Okay, so listen. In the past, when I've had a, had to make a decision, I become a vulnerable, I, it, my soul becomes vulnerable because of the decision I made. So here's what happened. I was, uh, on Saturday, we made the decision. So that meant Saturday night, I had to, sh- Kenny had to go home and shoot the worship, prepare the worship and shoot it by himself, then send me the file. I had to go home, I had to go home and, and shoot the the video, uh, have the message, I didn't get the angle right, but I did it anyway, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> so I, I, I shoot the message, and then I was thinking, oh, I got to, we have this announcement, this announcement, so then I, was, then I was trying to do it like Danny to make sure there's transition between everything. I was up till three in the morning <laughs> getting this done, okay? Uh, because I'm no Glory Joy, I'm no Danny, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not an editor, right? But here I am, cranking away, trying to get this done. Then at 3 a.m., I finally go to bed. And all of a sudden, I'm getting bombarded. It's no good. It's not anointed. I'm getting these thoughts. It's no good. It's not anointed. It's, you blew the whole thing. This is, a, this is a crash and burn, right? And I'm like, wait a second. I've been through this before. I've been, I've been through this before. And I remembered what Pastor Winston said when one day he, he felt like he made a wrong decision. And the Lord said, what are you going to say? 
and he said, everything I lay my hand to prospers. He said, son, I can work with that. Say that. So I, I was laying there in bed, hear Nancy sound asleep, and I'm laying there getting beat up. And I'm like, wait a second. Lord, everything I lay my hand to prospers in Jesus' name. So do you see? And so then I fell asleep just like that, totally at peace. Do you see why? Is because I had knowledge that now I could fight with. I had the ability to think and say, okay. And the Holy Spirit had something to work with there. He could say, okay, this is what we're doing. Whew, okay. So then I went to bed, and I was still a little timid about it, whether it was going to be okay. And then people from out of state and all different places started writing me, saying, this message was so important. This is exactly what God's saying. I'm like, really? You mean I, I got it right? Okay. So God does come back and reward after. You know, when the devil is really fighting you on something like this, you got to watch out for that. There's got, because there's a reward on the other side of the battle. Okay, now in marriage, in conversations, um, Nancy and I have learned this one phrase. You might want to write this one down. I didn't write it up here yet, but it's watch out for the grip. Watch out for the grip. Once you grab a hold of something so tight, you're not willing to let go of it. There's a high probability that you're actually wrong. <laughs> just saying, just letting you know. There's a high probability that you could be wrong. <clears throat> um, have you ever seen somebody who said all the right things, but they said it in the total wrong way, and therefore they were wrong, even though they said everything right? Every, they said all the right things, but they said them all in the wrong way. And so what was truly being communicated was the wrong thing. <laughs> if, this, if this is hitting you, just, just keep smiling. Everything will be, be fine. <laughs> so we want to talk about marriage conversations. Uh, because if we could fix this one thing, conversations within marriage, mostly we could fix marriages. <laughs> if we could get this done and done right, boy, can you imagine the difference of what we... So let's get into some scriptures on this that will just help us, if that's okay. All right? Um, so I put down marriage conversations full of grace, seasoned with salt, humor, and joy. Uh, actually, that's not what I write, but my daughter Olivia put that in for me. So <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, let your speech always be full of grace or be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. There's another verse you could write down if you're taking notes, which I, re I do recommend, and that is uh, Proverbs 15, verse 1. It says that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, so <clears throat> I was correcting my daughter. This must have been 15, 20 years ago. I was correcting her. Um, and uh, 
So I was being very strong about it, firm, and maybe even loud, okay? <laughs> and she answered me with a soft answer. And she said, so here my voice was like this, and she's like, but dad, you said, <laughs> and she said what I had, she just repeated what I had said and why she w felt that you know, she had done the right thing. Well, her gentle answer made me feel more like an idiot, okay? <clears throat> it's like, Joe, get it together, you know? You're supposed to be the mature one here, and your daughter is outdoing you, okay? <laughs> and this, <laughs> this is not good. So you have to humble yourself. Everybody say humility. Oh, God help us all. Because... There is a scripture, and I don't think I wrote this one down. I apologize, but it's another good one. In the book of Proverbs, it says, Strife cometh not but by pride. So if there's strife in a conversation, you have a guarantee that at least one of you is in pride. Okay? Okay. So you're going to quickly find out in conversations that um, the, the less mature you are emotionally, the more strife there's going to be in the house. The more anger, the more rage, the more flying off the handle. Uh, that's, it's just going to happen. It's because we don't have control of ourselves. Okay, We need to get control of ourselves so that we're not... Um, world around by our emotions, okay? We need to, eh, if you don't mind me stating it bluntly, we need to grow up, okay? And this is kind of like what I shared back uh, in the first week when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, in, in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Um, but this, is, this bears talking about again because it is such a huge issue. Um, for those of you who are new, by the way, um, the Lord spoke to me back in November or December and said, teach for a full year on family. Okay, so these first five weeks, we've been talking about marriage, the marriage relationship. So uh, the plan is, just so you know, <clears throat> I teach for five weeks. Now, if, if you do the math with me, since there's 13 weeks in a quarter of the year, every year, every quarter, there's 13 weeks. <clears throat> Um, so you take 13 weeks, so I teach five weeks, take one week off. Teach five weeks, take two weeks off. Then we're back, now we're in the second quarter. Teach five weeks, take one week off. Take, teach five weeks, take two weeks off. So I, I want to follow that pattern, and so next week <coughs> I'm going to go away on a prayer retreat. Okay? I was praying about whether I should go, and I felt like the Lord reminded me of something I said before that, you know, like if you miss your prayer time in the morning, it's really pride because you think you can make it through the day without him. <clears throat> so when I was wondering whether I should go on the prayer retreat or not, I realized it would be pride to say I don't need it. <laughs> I really do need it. We all need it. Uh, so I d I'm going away next week, so we won't be meeting next week, okay? Um, so, but we'll, we'll be right back the week after. And for those of you who were... Uh, with me last week, I was—I told you I was praying about whether I should continue 
<clears throat> and once again, I'm just going to share my heart and tell you what, where I'm at with it. Um, I, uh, I was talking to my son-in-law, Danny, and um, talk, just kind of talking it through and realized that, you know, because I said, well, I could go home and just do a video a day, you know, something about family. But then I realized that I really need, or I, I realized that my best material comes out when I'm teaching in front of a group. So I thought, well, then I'm, I'm going to need somebody to edit some video for me, you know, in order to get, take this material and put it out on Facebook and on the internet to get it out so that, and God provided, you know, so God provided somebody to come and uh, I'm real excited uh, to have somebody here helping me do, do some video editing. So it's just the Lord. Now I need an audio editor. I need somebody who can take these messages uh, that I give, edit out a few things, and put it up as a podcast. So I'm going to need that help uh, for all of them, all of the ones that I've done. So is that... I'm sorry? What does that mean? Oh, I know we need to come together. Yes, that's true. Uh, absolutely. I, and uh, so <clears throat> I felt very encouraged to continue. And um, so Danny's like, hey, we just need to do more to try to promote it. Andrew's helping me. And so I'm excited. We're just going to keep pressing and obeying God because this, this has been really good. So thank you for joining me. Um, let's talk about uh, this. Let your speech always be with grace. Have you ever tried to do something that you are no good at? Like me trying to edit video the other night to put the whole service together, and I'm like, you know, I'm just not really good at this. And today, I was going to have to put this whole slide presentation together, and I'm like, Andrew said, why don't we have Olivia do it? And Olivia came, and boom, 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 the whole thing's done, and it looks awesome. I'm like, man, she is so good at this. And I'm like, you got to let people do what they're good at, okay? So, um, so if you're trying to do something and you don't have the grace for it, it's like, why? We need somebody with the grace. Olivia had the grace to put this together. John and Glory Joy have the grace to shoot this thing. You know, Mike has the grace to run this audio for me. Jackie comes in and sets up, helps set up the chairs, and, and Tyler's going to help me with the editing. I'm excited about that, you know. And uh, Wendy back there is just watching over everything, making sure I'm good, you know. And I like that, you know. But see, let your speech always be with grace. What I'm trying to tell you is that there is a grace. Now, grace is a gift from God. I was explaining it to someone recently. Think about it like this. Grace is like an invisible Superman cape. That God drops down a Superman cape on you. And that cape has the, has, it gives you some supernatural ability. Okay? <clears throat> and so, what is that supernatural ability you got? Well, again, each person has their gift. I can teach and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Each one of us has a gift. But here it's saying, let every, let your speech always be with grace. See, grace is a supernatural empowerment. Now, you've heard grace. Some, some people say grace is an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. 
G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's okay. <clears throat> Some say grace is receiving what you don't deserve. And that, I would say, is okay as well. But if you go to the word grace in the Greek, it's the word charis, okay? It's a supernatural gift. Like, that's why some people refer to churches like ours as charismatic, because we believe in the gift, the supernatural empowerments of the Holy Spirit to help us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do in the natural. Do you know in the Old Testament, there were two offices that were considered supernatural, and both of them required anointing. One was king, and one was prophet. Okay? So God knew that there was nobody built with the capability to be a king. It was going to take supernatural abilities for them to understand how to rule the people. And so God dropped a supernatural, invisible Superman cape on the king, if they would receive it. But a lot of them wouldn't receive it. A lot of them didn't want to do their work with grace. Now, you want to do your work with grace. You want to do, and here you want to have your conversation full of grace. Okay? Full of grace. So in other words, just talking to each other, you think, shouldn't I be able to talk to each other without relying on God? Eh, go for it. See if it works for you. <laughs> but believe me, I need help. <laughs> I need help. And uh, I think we all need help. So what this verse is saying to you is that God has a supernatural grace available to you if you will receive it. God has a supernatural invisible Superman cape for you to be able to talk to your wife or to talk to your husband without them blowing up or without you blowing up. Okay? Is that okay with you? Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to answer, how you ought to answer each other. Salt there is referring to a preservative. Okay? That it has a preserving power. Now, watch this. Do you know that God's righteousness, you've heard me talk about righteousness before, God's righteousness you know God is right. <laughs> no, by definition, everything God does is right. But he gives us righteousness, which is a, uh, it's, it's a supernatural state of being where suddenly we are right with God. God's not mad at us. All our sins are washed away. And he gives that to us as a gift. You see what I'm saying? He gives it to you as a gift. So now you have a status you know how you, you know, a lot of, a lot of you folks in here have uh, Facebook and, you know, you put it, what's your status on Facebook, you know? <clears throat> Some people say, you know, I just got married and, you know, I, or I just started, started a relationship or this or that, or I'm happy today. What's your status? All right. Well, my status is I'm righteous. And that was given to me as a gift. Right? Now, when you... If you remember back, if you're married, if you remember back when you met and when you got engaged, the way you thought about your spouse was like, wow, man, you think so highly of them. You're like, 
man, they have a st- in my mind, their status is like on awesome planet, right? And it's way out there, you know. They're they're there, man. I just I I I'm so amazed, right? So blown away by this person. I'm so in love, right? So honestly, what you've done is you've granted them status. You granted them a status of um, faultless, <laughs> pretty much. You're, you're just blind to all their faults, right? You granted them the status of, man, everything's right with this person. They, I just, they get me and I get them and, man, it's really good. However, as time goes on, you start out, your heart is wide open to this person. Watch this. Your heart is like a flower, and your heart is wide open to them. And then, watch what happens. They say something that just kind of hits you wrong. And so one petal of your flower goes, whoop. And then you, you let that boil a little bit. And then they say something else that sounds a little bit like what they said before. And here goes another flower. Another petal you just closed up. And then you still got most of your flower open, but then they say more and more things, and you're just like, you begin to wilt, and in your mind, their status has changed. They are no longer Mr. Wonderful or Miss Wonderful. They're no longer the the hottest ticket on the planet. You've changed their status through unforgiveness. But this verse right here, as much as I was even tempted to, let's just move along, get to the next verse so we can get onto something more meaningful. And here the Lord's showing us. Just by the word grace here, we're seeing, let your speech be with grace. It means God supernaturally gives you an ability to communicate. It's a supernatural ability. It's an, you can talk, and you might be a smooth talker, but that stuff will run out on you. I mean, you can, you can hit empty fairly soon. But if you're relying on the grace, it's like, okay, now, we, now, we're, now we're, it's getting it. It's happened. But now the second thing is seasoned with salt. God wants you to preserve their status. Their status of awesome, I mean, she's a queen, or he's Superman, or he's, he's a champion. He, he's all that. But in your mind, one offense after another, it's like, it's like whatever they're doing, it's like they're slinging mud on your windshield. So all you can see is their dirt. And the more of their dirt you see, it's pretty soon you can't see them at all. But righteousness is where you just, it's a windshield wiper, cleans that thing off quick. Gone. Forgiveness reestablishes righteousness. Okay? Forgiveness reestablishes righteousness. And we need to hold each other righteous in right standing. You need to grant right standing to your spouse, whether they earn it or not. Now, I'm not 
I'm not saying that anybody needs to stay in, stay in a situation where you're getting beaten or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. That type of, if you're in a situation like that, you need to get out of that situation. Okay? That should not be happening. All right? Uh, that's none of that. That's not, you know, I, I don't go for that. <clears throat> you need to be safe. And you need to keep your family safe. And uh, so, um, but I'm saying, <sighs> grant each other righteousness, just like God granted you righteousness. All your sins are forgiven. How would you feel if you came to God? Check this out. Now, some people think that this is actually the way God operates, but he doesn't. But how would you feel if you came to God and uh, you asked for something and he's standing there like, you know, you messed up last Wednesday. You know, you slept in, you missed prayer time yesterday. And you skipped out on uh, that meeting you were supposed to be at and you refused to call your mother. I'm holding all these things against you and I'm not going to answer your prayer until you get it right. That is not the nature and character of our Heavenly Father. That's not who he is. His character and his nature is, hey, how you doing? Come on in. What do you need? Is, am I okay? Are we okay? Are, you're not mad at me, are you? What? What are you talking about? I forgave all your sins. What are you thinking about them for? But it was just yesterday. I haven't even said sorry. What are you talking about? I've thrown your sins as far as the east is from the west. If you meditate on the forgiveness that God has given you, it's going to be easy for you to forgive your spouse. Because you'll realize you're more guilty than they are. And you've been forgiven of more than they have need of to be forgiven. You see, there is, this, there is great blessing if you will grant righteousness to your spouse. So you want your conversation to be full of grace, which means you're relying on God to enable and empower you to talk to your spouse. And you're also wanting to preserve this, the status of this relationship. So full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, you're not bringing up your spouse's faults to them. Honey, could you take that load out of the laundry? Why should I do that? I just took the trash out for you. Uh, are we keeping score? Are we keeping score here? Um, wait a second. Do we want to play this game? Do we want to play a keeping score game? I don't know if that's wisdom. Because then we're not joined. We're at odds. Because then I got my score and you got your score. And there's no preservation in that. And there's no feeling of self-righteousness and condemnation. Are, you, are we okay? Is, is this making any sense to anybody? Is, is any, I hope nobody's choking on what I'm saying. Is this, is, am I chewing it up enough for you so that you can get it down there? <laughs> get, it, get this swallowed? Okay. 
So let your conversation always be, be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. All right? Let's go on. <laughs> it only took a half hour to get through that first verse. I'm sure this is going to be a fun night. <laughs> um, all right. Do you guys know what an oracle is? Who, who would know what an oracle is? Just shout it out if you know what an oracle is. Uh, what's that? Say that again. One who speaks. It means it, it comes from, you know, the word mouth. It means to speak. So what is an oracle? It's one who speaks from God. It's an oracle of God. Is one who's basically giving God a portal in the earth to speak through. That's one of the words that's spoken over my life. The Lord said, shall you not be an oracle? You shall. Shall you not be an oracle of God? You shall be. Okay? And so my desire is to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me so that it comes right. He's allowed to speak through me. Like I'm a ventriloquist puppet, right? And, uh, and he's just moving his hands and giving me the words, right? Is that okay with you? It's okay with me, by the way. I don't mind it. So James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. <clears throat> For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Do you know what the word perfect means? Perfect there means? Mature. Like Victor mature, right? No. <laughs> mature, grown up. Literally, when you see the word mature, you need to think also this, sexual maturity. Well, why you got to go there? Because you cannot reproduce until you hit sexual maturity. And that is an essential thing in the Christian walk. Because... You, you hit sexual maturity at the point where you begin to give forth the seed of the word of God and others can be born into the kingdom. Is this making sense? So maturity is an issue. Maturity is an issue. So for we all, verse two here, for we, we all stumble in many things. Um, that's a great verse to remember. <laughs> if you blow it, well, we all stumble in many things. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> Amen. Now, you don't want to hide behind that. You don't necessarily want it to be a confession, but you have to understand that's what the scripture says. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word and in what he says, he's a mature man. He's also able to bridle his whole body. What does that mean? Keep your body under control. You all know what that means. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is, in this verse 5, James chapter 3, verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Boy, if you apply that to marriage, you can burn down the house with your words. Believe me, my friends, you can burn down the house with your words. If you need to close the door, you're welcome to do so. But uh, 
if you can burn down the house with your words, are you getting it? So if your conversation goes to the point where you're destroying things, y'all better just shut that thing, shut that mouth, go off by yourself, and get back a hold of yourself so you stop the strife, okay? Because you cannot afford to burn down your own house. You with me? You can't afford this, okay? Strife is something you cannot afford. Um, I'll read that verse again. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. In other words, Literally, that verse right there, James 3, 6, literally means you, my friends, and me, we could prophesy for the devil. It says right there that your tongue is, is also set on fire by hell. Now, you don't want to prophesy for the devil. Uh, you don't want to give him a voice in your house. You don't want to say things that he would say. So most of you in here know John King, right? A friend of ours and also comes and preaches at the church. And he's one of the board members for JBM. Um, <clears throat> so John put together a video. Uh, it's a great video. And in this video, um, it's like a game show, but it's these demons that are the contestants they're playing in this game show. And the, the way the game is played is that the, the demons have to text in what each person is supposed to say. So they text what the husband is, what the one, you know, so they're fighting each other, the husband and the wife, okay? And so the two demons are trying, one's controlling the husband and one's controlling the wife. So the one controlling the husband types in what he wants them to say. And the husband says the words exactly perfect just like the demon typed in, okay? Just so exactly what the demon texted him. And uh, so he was saying all this nasty stuff. He walks in, the, this, this guy's tired. He walks in the house after a long day of work. And honey, no dinner? What happened? What did you do all day? And he's, you know, saying all these nasty things, right? Stuff women hate to hear, right? And so then the other demon texts in, uh, what and she says some nasty stuff, right? Well, this woman says, honey, she hands him the newspaper. Looks like you had a hard day. Um, why don't you just sit down and read your paper? I'll have dinner on the table real quick for you. And, uh, and she said it real calmly, and she did not say anything that the demon said to say. In other words, she really was mature. So it really gets back to the old Angel on one shoulder, demon on the other, okay? In every situation in your life, you're, you're given a script of what to say. And you can choose your script. You can read the demon script or you can read the angelic script. It's your choice. You get to choose what you want to say. And all of your life pivots on that one choice. Because do you know that in one conversation, 
you can completely destroy your marriage. In one kind, it, it's, how many know that's all it takes? You could do it. You could destroy your marriage in one conversation. That's all it takes. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, right? Um, all right, so the, uh, this, it says right here in, in the verse 6, it says the tongue is so, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. You can prophesy from hell. Don't do it. Please don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, it may give you some temporal relief like, well, I showed, I gave him a piece of my mind. Honey, you couldn't spare it. <laughs> you better hold on to that thing. <laughs> uh, or I showed him. Yeah, he showed you the door too. No. Walk in love. Learn how to, learn how to control what you say. You know, there's another verse in Proverbs that says, uh, I think it's maybe 14.1, and it says, the wise, maybe, maybe chapter 8, verse 1, I don't know. But it says, the wide, wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. It could say also, I mean, in reality, if I were to write a proverb, I could say, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own tongue, she tears hers down. Because literally, you can destroy it. And it goes for men, too. It goes for everybody. For every, verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of, or of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Well, pastor, what are you teaching this for then? We got more power than this is just of man, the power that's of man. No man can do this on his own. Okay? Um. Verse 9, with it we bless our, our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. we got to control what's coming out of our mouth, okay? It is important. All right, so what is coming from the flow from within you? What is your tongue attached? Can you still read that? Is this big enough? You can't read it? Who can read this? Raise your hand if you can. You can read it? Okay. All right, praise the Lord. We're trying. So um, what, what is coming from the flow within you? What is your tongue attached to? Is your tongue attached to your mind or is it attached to your spirit? Well, I will tell you, you have that's your choice. This is why, my friends, I love to speak in tongues. Okay? Now, I don't know if everybody here does that or not. It doesn't matter. I just want to let you know I'm a crazy man. I speak in tongues. Okay, that's what I do, and I'm not ashamed of it. Because I know that speaking in tongues is allowing a fountain or a river from God 
from heaven to flow from heaven through my spirit and then come up as a river that brings forth living water into my life. It brings life. Um, man, I was sitting down uh, praying in the spirit yesterday, just sitting there looking out the window, praying in the spirit. All of a sudden, I, oh, yeah, you got to call so-and-so. Write it down, okay? Oh, yeah, you got to do this. And we'll write it down. God's helping you because all the things you forgot are coming back. So what is happening when I'm praying in the spirit? I'm praying for my life. I'm praying for Nancy. I'm praying for you all. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what I'm praying for unless I ask. However, I know that I'm praying God's perfect will. But you can't understand what you're saying. That's right. I can't. And that's a good thing I call speaking in tongues God's brain bypass operation. <laughs> because that's what we need. Because we really all should desire to pray God's perfect will in every situation. I mean, that's the way I, I really wish that in any single situation I could pray exactly God's perfect will. Well, I can. I just can't do it in English. I can't do it in my mother tongue. But I know that if I will yield my voice to the Spirit of God, he can pray through me his perfect will using my authority here in this earth to speak these things. Because it says, as you speak in tongues, you're bringing wisdom from heaven into the earth. Okay? So this is um, that flow there, getting your voice attached to your spirit is vital. So, I speak in tongues. And I enjoy it, actually, because every time, I, it even says, it talks about it in the Old Testament, that this is a refreshing that comes from the Lord. Speaking in tongues actually brings a refreshing to you. You feel more lifted up. And in Jude 20, it says, keep, it'll keep you in the love of God, and it'll build up your most holy faith. Jude verses 20 and 21. It says, keeping yourself, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keeping yourself in the love of God. So building up your faith and keeping yourself in God's love, sign me up. Okay, so the sign up there is just praying tongues. So I do. Um, so if I can get my tongue attached to, instead of my mind, get it attached to my spirit, then that's the flow I want. That's where it's full of grace. Now I can speak in English in a way that's full of grace, and I'll tell you the truth, if I'm not right now, you should go home. If I'm not speaking by the grace of God right now, you would be better off leaving. If you don't believe it's from God, let's, let's, let's check out. Let's go home. That's it. You know. Because we, we would be wasting our time. But if there is a flow that's coming from heaven, then it's worth being here. Right? So, what is your tongue attached to? Do you just speak your mind? You know, he got on my last nerve. Well, guess what? You don't have, you don't run out of those things. Yeah. 
if you're tapped into, I was thinking about, you, you know, you run out of something. Well, if it's something that, like, God provides, you know, patience. I ran out of patience. Well, that was your own patience because the patience he gives you, there's no, that's an endless, endless supply of that. So if you ran out of patience, you were tapped into the wrong tank. You know, when I was little, my sister was driving up this, she was driving in our little um, VW, our 62 VW, our 62 or 63 VW Beetle. And uh, I was sitting in the back seat, and we were going up this windy road. And all of a sudden, she says, Joseph, get up here. So I jumped up into the front seat. She said, see that little switch down in the front there, that little thing? She said, flip it to the other side. So I flipped it over. You know what it was? The backup gas tank. There was a, she was running out of gas. She said, flip that over. So it gets to the reserve gas tank. So I flipped it over, and then there we make it the rest of the way up the hill. So if we can switch from one gas tank to the other, we probably can do that on the inside of us. And if you ran out of patience, you were tapping the wrong tank. If you're relying on your own patience, what are you doing that for? Have you not learned how to tap into the fruit of the Spirit? How to let His patience be? Because if you rely on the fruit of the Spirit, once again, like we taught several weeks ago, you know, that tree, which is your spirit, has a never-ending supply of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All nine fruit of the Spirit, they're all there in a never-ending supply. So if you ever run out, then you better ask this question. What are you attached to, your mind or your spirit? Are you tapping into your own abilities or are you tapping into God's abilities? God's abilities are the ones that actually will put you over, will give you victory, okay? This is, this is where, this is the good stuff, right? So <clears throat> I will tell you this as somebody who, um, I'm not a dummy. I will admit that. I'm not a dummy, okay? I do have, I have an IQ that's over 100, okay, which is average. Average is 100, right? So, um, yet, even though I could talk with you in an intellectual way, wisdom supersedes knowledge. Wisdom's more important, and wisdom comes out of your spirit, not out of your brain. So you will say things that are more full of wisdom if you're tapped into your spirit than you will if you just speak from your mind. So if you ever think, I need to give him a piece of my mind, you better not. You should take that and throw it in the trash. Nobody needs to hear that. Well, what if, I'm being, what if there's a problem? Well, we could, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You might need, need to learn. Because if, if there's injustice, the Bible gives you a way to handle it. Let's go on. The power of speaking in tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, 
but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, those mysteries are actually what you need. Because have you ever seen the picture of the book of how to understand women? That one really, really big, thick book. And they had one page flopped over and it's like this thick. And I think that was just the first volume. <laughs> how to understand women. Um, mystery. Mysteries of heaven, right? Men are very easy to understand. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. With men, you just have a good, have some good food on the table, and you got a happy man right there. <laughs> Women, you, you better have some good emotional conversation happening, which uh, God help us all. We, we're learning. We're learning. Pursue, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially, and you know that word gifts right there? is actually referring to charis, charisms. Pursue love and desire spirituals or, or the, and these gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Remember I said you could prophesy for the devil. You don't want to do that. You want to prophesy on behalf of the Lord. You want to say things that settle the problem and bring peace, right? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, right? So, men, if you want to understand women, speak in tongues. It's a mystery from heaven. Your tongue is attached to your spirit, and if your heart is bitter, then keep your mouth shut. If your heart is bitter, be quiet. Okay, let's keep going keeping your heart free from offense. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me just see if that next verse is on here. No, okay. So where should your focus be? Based on verse 2 here, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Let me just say this. If you're focused on Jesus, I can guarantee you will not be focused on your spouse's faults. If you are focused on Jesus, you won't be focused on your spouse's faults. Okay? However, if you spend time just looking at the list of your spouse's faults, you're not looking at Jesus. But the scripture says to fix our eyes on him. Let's go on. If you focus on darkness, it will fill you. <clears throat> Matthew 6.22 says the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What does that mean? It means if you focus on the light, you're going to be full of light. If you focus on the darkness, you're going to be full of darkness. Which do you prefer? If you focus on their faults, their faults are going to consume your field of vision. As a matter of fact, 
your faults or your focus can change the speck in their eye. It's going to become so big, it'll be a log, but that log is in your eye. It's a speck in their eye, but you keep focusing on it and focus, 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 focus. It's going to become a log, but it's not a log in their eye. It's a log in yours. That's why Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye first, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of their eye. Does this make sense? If you focus on faults, they will get bigger. No matter what you focus on, it gets bigger. It gets bigger, right? Okay, let's go on. Are you a fountain or a drain? In your marriage, are you a fountain? In your family, are you a fountain or are you a drain? My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. What are you going to do? Because a drain is hungry. And a fountain is full. If you are a fountain, you're constantly giving and blessing and loving. Because you have another source. You have another supply. And that supply, you're not looking to other people to fill you up. It's like, watch this. It's just like as if you had a hose coming down from heaven stuck right in your back and you're able to just keep giving because the supply just keeps coming. Can you see that? You understand that? This depends on this. Where is your focus? Are you going to fix your eyes on Jesus or are you going to fix your eyes on problems and darkness? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the answer. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, what about his snoring? He snores, and I can't sleep when he snores. Guess what? If you focus on that, if you keep focusing on that, it's going to keep you awake. It'll keep you awake. If you, if you focus on their snoring, it'll keep you awake. But if you focus on Jesus, you'll fall right asleep. Hallelujah. Are you a fountain or are you a drain? <clears throat> All right. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Words kill. This is in the message translation. Words kill. Words give life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. The New Living Translation says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The King James Version says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You get the point. You decide by your focus whether you're going to have strife in your marriage or love and peace. You decide by your focus whether you're going to have strife in your marriage or love and peace. It depends on your focus. If you're constantly focused on their faults, then you are not granting them righteousness. Remember what I said at the beginning. You grant, God granted you righteousness even when you didn't deserve it. And since you know your spouse's faults, 
you know they don't deserve your gift of righteousness to them. They don't deserve it. However, God is asking you to forgive them just like he forgave you. Amen. So, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, um, the thief, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus is right here showing you a contrast between himself and Satan. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Satan comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Let's look at this previous verse. In the message, words kill and words give life. It depends on where you're focused, because wherever you're focused, that's literally where you are plugging in to receive from. Wherever you are focused, you are drinking from that place. There is a constant flow of information and emotion coming from whatever you focus on. And as you constantly focus on that, it's feeding you. Sometimes when people are talking to each other, one of them's got their head in the garbage can out in the backyard, figuratively, because you're going through their trash looking for dirt so that you can speak it. Why? 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 You deserve to burn and go to hell, and so does your spouse. Just to even out the playing field, just so we all know, hey, sin is sin and we're all guilty. Is that fair enough to say? Okay. So, since we all deserve to burn, to, to go to hell and burn forever, um, it's, it moves us from, away from, uh, you know what, I'm not really that interested in keeping score anymore. I want to live by grace now. I want to live with my life full of grace and seasoned with salt. Full of grace, the empowerment of God to speak to you in a loving and kind way and seasoned with salt so that I am continuing to grant you righteousness in my eyes. That gift of seeing your spouse just like you saw them the first time. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> you know, I remember when we first... Uh, I first met Nancy, I was thinking about marriage within the first 25 seconds. Just so you know. I remember before I met Nancy, my roommate told me about her. And uh, he said, man, I met this new girl down by the lake. She was sitting on the dock and uh, reading her Bible. He said she had short fingernails and no makeup on. She had just got done jogging. He said, that's the kind of girl for me. Reading her Bible. You know, no makeup on, short fingernails. He said, that's the kind I'd like. And I just remember thinking in, in my heart, I literally in my heart was saying, sorry, Johnny, she's mine. <laughs> I literally in my heart was saying that. The next day, he introduced us. And, um, and that's when I was thinking, whew, look at that. And then a couple days later, me and two of my other buddies were um, 
my two buddies had gotten in their car and they were about ready to drive out of the parking lot. Here comes Nancy back from jogging and her face is glowing and we're like, and they even stopped their car and looking at her like, what is going on? Her face is glowing. I mean, she's like shining. Like, like it's all right, guys, I got her. <laughs> you know, she's mine. Um, so that picture of your spouse, you need to go back to it. You need to go back to it. Grant them that status again. Grant them that status again. You see what I'm saying? Okay, because you were granted that status forever by God. He continues to be in love with you. You're supposed to represent God to your spouse. He loves you so much, and he loves them so much. Okay, so there's this dichotomy of how words can be used. They can give life or they can bring death. But Jesus makes it clear in John, John chapter 10, verse 10, it's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Okay? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Watch this. Sometimes your living room seems without form and void, and you're figuring out what to do. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. You can speak darkness into your marriage or into your family, or you can speak light. Everybody say this after me. Let there be light. Let there be light. You're just like God, you know, because you can cause light to be. But have you ever been in a situation where it just, I'm not talking about physically dark, but it, it feels spiritually dark? You know what all you need to say in a situation like that? Let there be light. This one guy, um, this one prophet, he went into this house uh, that was haunted in Hollywood or, or out there in L.A. somewhere. And um, it had a bunch of apparitions, de demonic stuff. And uh, they asked him to come in and clean the place out. And he just came in and he said, I want everybody to say this after me. No ghost but the Holy Ghost. And they said, you're kidding, right? They said, he said, say it. Everybody together. Ready? No ghost but the whole. They said it. And do you know they never had another problem in that house? Why? Because you establish with your words. You establish with your words because you were made in the likeness and image of God. And so you, you know when that verse where it says, um, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life? and he became a living being. Some translations said it says he became a speaking spirit. You are a speaking spirit. Just so happens that you're wearing a body. Is that okay? You are a speaking spirit. Okay? So when you speak, it's not just your body speaking. Your spirit is speaking. That's why God built it that way, because you can't speak without breath. And the word spirit is breath. You see that? So when you speak, it's a spiritual event. You ought to write that one down. <clears throat> when you speak, it's a spiritual event. Okay? This is why 
if you, if you consider that you are a speaking spirit that lives in a body, you better be careful what you're saying. If you say to your spouse, I hate you, man, this whole big black tar glop just came out and landed in your living room. Try getting that out. That's hard to clean. Hard to clean up that mess if you say something like that. I hate you. That. Boy, if your spouse says that to you, just say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Amen? That's what Jesus did. Wait a second. Jesus was hanging on the cross, right? He had nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You could say, wait a second, they know darn well what they're doing. No, they don't. They don't understand that they are being controlled by demonic power. Your spouse might not understand that they are being controlled by demonic power. You are a speaking spirit. Both of you are. This is why we need to tap into what are we saying? Are we letting life come out of our mouth or are we letting death come out of our mouth? You would not turn a python loose in your nursery, in, in the living room with all the kids around and your spouse. You wouldn't turn a, a python loose in there that can strike and strangle and kill anybody at once. You wouldn't do it. Yet you're loosing something even more powerful than a python when you say something like, I hate you. Don't ever let that devil loose in your house. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, does it sound like I'm being a little hard on you? If so, you probably need it. Okay, is that okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say, no, no problem with me. I'm good. <laughs> it didn't hit me. <laughs> oh, Pastor, I'm hurting. It really got me. Okay, well, whatever. We're, we're here to learn and grow, right? Say, let there be light. Just say that again. Let there be light. Amen. So be it. The tongue is an evil force. We must tame the tongue. If there is smoke coming out of the chimney, it's usually because there is a fire going on inside. Look at that saying. If there's smoke coming out of the chimney... It's usually because there's a fire going on inside. Well, wait a second. If you got nasty stuff coming out of your mouth, it can only be for one reason. You got some nasty stuff going on in the inside of your heart. That's the only reason smoke comes out of the chimney is if there's a fire on the inside. If anger is coming out of your mouth, your heart is focused on something that is making you angry. Put the fire out within you. Put it out. It's your responsibility. It is not your spouse's responsibility to put out the fire within you. By the way, your spouse does not make you angry. We ready to meddle here? Your spouse cannot make you angry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I love you, Vito. <laughs> However, 
It's always your choice. Listen up. It's always, it's be, to be angry or not, is always your choice. No one can make you angry. You have to choose to be angry. You choose it. You choose it. Choose, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Now, <clears throat> sometimes when you realize that the devil's in your house, but you can't kick your husband out of the house. But you can go into your bedroom and you can start praying and saying, devil, I take authority over you right now. You leave me and you leave my spouse right now. You get in there and you start finding, you go to battle. Let me tell you, if you ever get in an a, a, a argument with your spouse, let the most mature one go into the bedroom and put their knees on the floor and pray. I will tell you, like I told you last week or the week before, that I think something physical happens when you put your knees on the ground. It's a humbling position. When you humble yourself, you won't have pride. And if you don't have pride, strife ends. Did I give you a key? Out of prison. Yes, because strife can be a prison. And it sure can get lonely in a marriage when you are in strife. Because you have to fight everything yourself. And your spouse is your enemy. But once you realize your spouse is not your enemy, even though you both think that the other one is your enemy, once you realize your spouse is not your enemy and you find out who the real enemy is, because it says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. But guess what? We've been given authority over all that stuff because it says that all those principalities and powers are under our feet. Why? Because we're in the body of Christ and they're all under Jesus' feet. You know, there's not a single demon in all, in the whole universe that has the power to withstand the name of Jesus. There's not a one. Oh, what a pastor, what about those kind that don't come out except by prayer and fasting? Well, I would tell you the devil can tell whether or not the words you speak are in faith or in doubt. And I will tell you, it could be that the only kind that comes out by prayer and fasting is not the demon, but the doubt in you. Because if the doubt in you comes out by prayer and fasting, and then you speak to the demon, there is no demon in, that can withstand the name of Jesus spoken in faith. There is not one available. There is no such thing as a demon that can withstand the name of Jesus. They all, according to Ephesians chapter 2, no, Philippians 2, they all must bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That's talking about the demonic realm. They all bow the, name, bow the knee to the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So if you're in the middle of strife, 
and you don't know what to do. Say, honey, can you give me a minute? I just need to be by myself. You go into the bedroom, close the door. Or you go into the bathroom, close the door, and lift up your hand and say, Heavenly Father, I yield myself to you. Father, I need help, and I need it right now because I need you to diffuse this situation. I need you to show me how to get out of this situation of strife. And Lord, that both me and my spouse would stop being angry. Do you know it says in the book of James that man's anger, which is always available during strife, man's anger does not work the righteous life that God requires. So anytime you are in anger, man's anger. Now, there is a righteous anger. I mean, and there's sometimes when you're casting out a devil, you can get a little angry at that thing. That's righteous. You don't want to get flesh angry at a devil because then he realizes you're in the flesh and he'll just laugh at you. Just so you know. I mean, if you've never dealt with that stuff, he'll just laugh at you. Okay? But if you get a, a righteous anger that comes from heaven, they can't withstand that. They cannot withstand that authority and that power. Please understand this. Please, please receive what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> if anger is coming out of your mouth, your heart is focused on something that is making you angry. If you see a movie going on in your mind that is all of the things your spouse has ever done to offend you, and you got this movie playing in your mind. Well, I remember they did that. And you know, back, you know, I remember this happened. And then, you know, this happened and this and this and this. And pretty soon, you're watching the whole movie about every single offense that your spouse has ever committed against you. But love keeps no record of wrongs. So if that movie is playing in your mind, it's not sourced by love. It's not coming from love. Love that, That's not a love movie that's playing. That's a hate movie, and the hate is coming from the demonic. Let go of it. Drop the charges. Grant your spouse forgiveness. Say, and remember this. Some say, well, I, I, I forgave him, but I still have the emotions. Great, that's fine, and, and we can work through how to deal with that. However... Remember this, forgiveness is a legal matter. Remember, every time you speak, it's a spiritual event. So when you say, I forgive you, it's a spiritual event. And the record in heaven shows that's clean now. There's no offense. So where are you going to get that movie from now? It's got to come from, you know, someplace else. The devil reminding you of all the negative stuff. But because it, it says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, he'll stand there and yell out every one of your offenses. We don't have to play that game. We don't have to play it. Are you getting anything? Is this okay? We doing all right? Yeah. Okay. So you have the responsibility to put out the fire that's on the inside of you. If you're angry, get over it. Grow up, put a smile back on your face. Whoa, 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 Pastor, you're going too fast, too hard. Listen. <laughs> you know, the Lord said something to me yesterday, which was very interesting. And he said, son, you don't have the freedom to be bound. 
Lord, that was quite poetic. <laughs> you don't have the freedom to be bound. And as Christians, we don't have the freedom to walk around bound up by unforgiveness and thoughts about another person because that binds you. You walk around with all these thoughts about other people, it's turning you into a hate machine instead of a love machine. <laughs> Y'all take that in the right way, right? I'm sure that all of you have pure thoughts about that, right? Yeah. I, I, Father, we love you. You have a responsibility to put that fire out on the inside of you. That is not your spouse's fault. It's not their responsibility. If you're angry at your spouse about something, you have the responsibility to put out that fire. Now, that could be by, in your heart, forgive them. It also might mean that you need to follow the biblical pattern. If your brother offends you, go to him and talk to him about it. If he doesn't hear you, then go take some another witness. If they don't hear it, then, you know, that you may have to do that. But that's how you handle an injustice. If there's an ongoing injustice and, and things just keep going the wrong way, you, you know, you go and show your brother the fault. Now listen, would you be willing to eat, um, like if I were to serve you like a really great uh, ice cream sundae, your favorite ice cream sundae, and I were to sprinkle salt and pepper all over it, I mean, like, really, cake it on there. Any takers? You know, I think I'll pass, you know. <clears throat> if you go to your brother and say, I really want to talk to you about this, and you bring all of your negative emotions with it, you ruined it with all of your negative emotions. You, you're absolutely ruining it because you're putting them on the defense. You're putting them, uh, they have to, now you have to get through their thick wall of their defenses. Do you remember the old Aesop's fable about the wind and the sun? Anybody remember the old Aesop's fable about the wind and the sun? Okay, the wind and the sun were both talking to each other and they saw a man walking down the road with a jacket on. And the wind said, I bet I can blow that jacket off of him. And the sun says, go for it. Let's see which one of us can get, the sun, get that jacket off of him. So the wind blew and blew and blew. And the harder that the wind blew, the tighter the man held his jacket to himself. So then the sun said, it's my turn. And then the sun just started to shine. And pretty soon that man took off that jacket. As they say, you catch more flies with what? Honey than with vinegar, right? <laughs> or something like that. If you're going to mix your bitterness in, you're starting out with unforgiveness in your heart. So you're starting out in sin. 
just so you know, you, as you're trying to bring their sin to light and help them to be set free from that so it can stop the injustice against you, but you're bringing it with hatred, unforgiveness, and bitterness, you are in sin yourself. Don't do that. You might need to just sit down and write a little note. Because I'll tell you this, if Nancy comes to me and she says, you know, here's, here's the problem, but, and I can deal with it if, if that's all I have to deal with, but when it comes with 50 pounds of emotion, I can't deal with that. I don't have a processor that can deal with that. I can't think through that. I don't know how to feel my way through that. Can't be done, as far as I'm concerned, for me personally. Maybe you're different. Maybe you're cut from a different, it's okay. However, as long as you are adding on all of the emotional pain and accusation in your appeal for justice, remember, it's an appeal for justice. It's not a demand. Because love does not demand its own rights or its own way. But there can be a simple appeal for justice. Hey, can I appeal to you? Well, when you're appealing to somebody, you're totally yielding to their authority because they're the ones that have the right to forgive you or not or to change or not. It's up to them. You, cannot, you can't change your spouse. The sooner you stop trying, the sooner God will get a hold of them and start making things right. Okay? Really, please. I mean, if you think, if, and God, I'll, I'll tell you this, if you think you can change your spouse, God will sit back and say, let me know when you're done. He'll be sitting there twiddling his thumbs, not being able to do anything until you stop. So he's sitting back there bored. All the angels are bored because they don't have anything to do. But once you enter into faith and say, Lord, I, there's nothing I can do. I yield this situation totally to you. So Lord, I just start asking you, I ask you right now, bless my spouse. Bless them. Bless them. Pour out your blessings, Lord. Boy, you'll see things change. You'll see things change. Because God will have an opportunity to get a hold of them. And I'll tell you, he knows their address. He knows how to get to them. Okay? So don't be afraid. Okay? You have a responsibility to put the fire out within you. If you have unresolved issues, get them, get them resolved. Well, how do I do that? Well, there's enough people here that can pray with you get you some wisdom, some counsel. If you have not received justice, learn how to make an appeal for justice. If your spouse is doing something that's really wrong or incorrect, appeal to them. Don't accuse them. Once the accusations kick in, you know who's in the room. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, not God. If you come to your spouse and make an appeal without accusation. Boy, we're going to have to talk about a year on that one. How do you do that? You pull your heart back and you get your heart to where you're already in full forgiveness. You already fully forgive them. And then you say, and then it, once you have them fully forgiven in your heart, you then can speak to them about an appeal for something to change. And then they won't feel threatened because you're not accusing them. 
Is that okay? All right. Philippians 4.8. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what this verse is the same as? Hebrews 12.2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is telling you what to think about. Whatever is noble, whatever is true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, all that, in all that stuff. Think about those things. If you think about those things, you're hooked up to the right flow. If you, if you accuse, then you've welcomed the devil into the room because he is the accuser of the brethren. God will not accuse. Okay? Because accusation always brings condemnation. Accusation always brings condemnation. And if your spouse is bringing you condemnation, they're not helping you, they're hurting you. Okay? So, back up a little bit, forgive them, okay, and say, can we talk in a way that's, uh, maybe we need to hire a referee. Hire somebody with one of them striped shirts <laughs> and say, we need a referee in the room here. Uh, can you, can you, here, here's what I want to say to my wife, blah, blah, blah. They say it. Here's what I want to say to my spouse. Uh, okay, say it. You know, Nancy and I, about a year ago, we were going to a marriage counselor. My brother was talking to us. He said, I think I want to pay for a, a marriage counselor for you guys. So Nancy and I started meeting with this guy. The guy charges $150 an hour, I think. And then he didn't offer ever a recommendation or any solution at all. And they get away with this. <laughs> they get away. They get away with that. And people keep coming back. And a couple days later, after we had our final session with them, when we realized this was going nowhere, I was up in the middle of the night. Listen, I was up in the middle of the night with my cell phone recording something because I had this flow of, of wisdom coming, and I wanted to get it recorded. And as I was recording it, Nancy woke up, she heard me talking, and she came downstairs, and she saw me talking into my cell phone, and she knew what I was doing, that I was recording this wisdom that I was getting from God. And so she just laid down on the other couch, and she was just listening to me. And then it got to a point where it was, uh, it was uh, time for Nancy to say something, and I knew... It was a point in the talk and what I was saying that it was time for Nancy to have voice. So I invited her to come and speak. So she spoke right into the telephone microphone, just like I was doing, to record what she was saying. Do you know we got as much out of that session, if not more, than we did out of telling this guy who never gave us anything? We got as much, and our emotions were under control. She was not accusing me. She was just stating things because there's an, you know, if you have accountability and somebody else is in the room, you're not going to fly off. Okay, Pastor Winston gives us, he gives us illustration about, he said his, his mom, um, you know, she would be like ready to just yell at the kids and, 
you know, throw her shoe at him or something, you know, yelling, stop. And then her girlfriend calls, the phone rings. Oh, hello? <laughs> Hold on just one second. And then she's right back, you know, I'm going to throw this shoe at you. Okay, how you doing, girl? <laughs> we are always, we all are always acting. We all are always acting. You are acting how you believe you are supposed to act right now. Nobody in this room right now is jumping up, running around, screaming. You know why? Because you're acting. You are all, all of us are all always acting. And so you have the control. Just like, you know, hey girl, he's, you know, she's on the phone, hey, and everything's smooth and fine. And a split second later, she's whipping her shoe at your head <laughs> and screaming at you. We are all always acting. And when you are in strife with your spouse, you are all always acting. And you act according to what you believe you have the privilege to act. <clears throat> However, if I'm standing there with a microphone, or if, I'm, if Nancy and I are sitting there talking to a counselor on a video, you know, a video chat, we're like, everything's fine. Hey, we got our best on, right? We're not yelling at each other. We're talking smooth. Well, when we were talking on that microphone, nobody wants a recording of their nasty attitude. And that was just as effective for us as having a counselor. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's because we are all always acting. Now, I have, there have been times when I have acted in ways that were unbecoming. <laughs> and, uh, and there have been times that Nancy has acted in ways that are unbecoming, right? By the way, it says confess your own sins, <laughs> not your spouse's. <laughs> it doesn't say confess your spouse's sins and you will be healed. It says confess your own sins and you will be healed, right? Um, but you, you, you think, okay, so I know how she acts in front of other people. I've seen it. You know, pick up the phone and everything's fine. Or you know, when she's talking to a friend, she's the nicest person on the planet, okay? I'm the nicest person on the planet, or I try to be. Well, she's probably better at this than me. But I try to be nice, at least, because we're all always acting. Now, so I actually made it, I said, would you please just treat me as nice as you treat like Shalise, because <laughs> whenever she talks to Shalise, she's always super nice. Everything's great, and they're the best of friends. Okay, could you just treat me that nice? She appeals to me, Joe. Could you at least just be nice? Could you change your tone? You're so harsh with me. I don't want to be harsh, and I'm not trying to be harsh. But she says, "But you sound harsh." I'm like, I struggle. <laughs> 
you understand, this is all real stuff, by the way. This is very real that we have to deal with, okay? But God's trying to grow us up. But I do believe that you received a key tonight, that if you realize that we are all, always acting. And when you're acting nasty, remember this, we are all, always acting. And if you're acting nasty to your spouse, it's because you believe that you can without penalty. You believe you can be nasty to them without penalty. Well, I want to inform you that's not true. That is not true. This thing called relationship between you, like it says, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one with her own hands or tongue tears hers down, starts ripping away the connective tissue. And men too. Men do the same thing. They can rip away at that connective tissue and think. I, I have some very dear friends who she thought she had carte blanche and she could say anything and continue to do so to the point of abuse emotional it was it was emotionally abusive until he finally was like yeah guess time's up then huh and it was over and now they're divorced and now he's remarried and she's sad like why was he unfaithful to me <laughs> uh do you not realize what was happening? She didn't realize. I mean, if he had been physically beating her, it would probably have been less painful than what she was doing to him with words. It was terrible, terrible, gut-wrenching, terrible what was happening, where she thought she had an endless supply of love and grace from him. He didn't have it, and it ended. Please, don't bet that you have an endless supply of grace coming to you and an endless supply of forgiveness so you can act nasty all the time. It's not true. You don't have an endless supply. The scripture says man will not, the spirit of man will not strive with man forever. He'll put up with it for a time, but then he'll say, time's up. Done. We're done. Please don't ever start walking in that direction. You don't need to walk in that direction. Just be nice. Treat your spouse like you treat the friends who you are trying to win their favor. You should try to win your spouse's favor. Try to win their favor. Don't just say, I've got the marriage certificate and I got the ring on my finger. You owe me. I wouldn't go there. Try to win their favor. Was this too hard? We okay? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. All right. I took you right to 8.30, and I apologize again. I didn't bring, give time for questions. Uh, but let me pray for you, okay? And, um, and we'll get to some more. Now, remember, we're off next week. We'll come back in two weeks. But, uh, but let me pray for you. Um, I hope this was helpful. I really do believe that the Spirit of God is here to help us. And we all need to hear it. And, and, and hear 
stronger words like this sometimes. So, Father, help us in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to minister to each person here by your spirit and that your grace is here to help us and to grow us, to walk in love. Help us to treat each other kindly. <sighs> Praise the Lord. I really feel like I gave what I was supposed to give tonight. Father, I speak that there be grace on every hearer and that they would just simply make whatever adjustments you want them to make in their own heart. Because this applies to every, this doesn't uh, just apply to marriage. This is all over. If you're mean to your sister, if you're mean to your brother, don't think you've got an endless supply of grace there. I know too many people who are, uh, who are estranged. And the other one said, time's up. You just ran out. There's no more grace left for you. Goodbye. You tested them too much. They're, it's gone. It's gone, gone, gone. Okay? It, it says an offended brother, it's more, a, a, a fortified city is more easily won than an offended brother. Don't keep offending people. Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com, where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God in journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.